everybody. This is PRI Talk. I am your host, Jason Bidler. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, this week, I have a special guest. Um, about a, a week ago, um, Greg Miller and I got on the phone and uh, chatted a little bit of volleyball and talked for about an hour and a half about all things all things related to the sport. So, um, if you don't know Greg, Greg is the voice of SFA Lady Jack Volleyball. Um, he has been doing their radio broadcasts um, and, and live at home kind of on-site stuff since 2006. Um, in 2009, he created the SFAVolleyBlog.net. You can go check that out, SFAVolleyBlog.net. Uh, it's an independent statistics-driven website uh, focused on SFA and the rest of the Southland Conference uh, volleyball programs. Um, in 2014, um, he, uh, Greg, and SFA added um, the ESPN coverage. Um, so Greg does all the radio broadcasts for SFA. He has all the ESPN televised broadcasts for SFA volleyball, um, and he's just an avid um, volleyball fan. And uh, I've talked with him a bunch uh, over over my years being in the Southland, and, and since I left. Um, just it's a great person and really knows the game. Uh, just a big, big fan um, of volleyball. So enjoy talking with him. Um, I hope you will enjoy listening to our conversation um, as we talk about um, today. We're talking about just kind of the state of athletics in general and kind of what um, volleyball can do and take advantage of um, kind of through this this pandemic. So thanks for listening. Well, Greg, thanks for being on. Um, really appreciate the time and everything. Um, did want to get kind of your perspective on a, on a couple things. And, and obviously like our, you know, our slant is volleyball. Um, but uh, just give me kind of your feelings and, and summary, maybe just your perspective on, on where college sports are right now. Well, I think, from what I'm seeing from the people here and uh, people they're associated with is that everybody is kind of in the hunker down planning stage. I think, yeah. you know, there was this sort of shock stage when everything changed in the spring. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be honest, when, whenever, whenever, whenever the real pandemic hit, my first reaction to fall sports was, oh, we're going to be okay. Yeah. We're not going to have to, I mean, that honestly, I mean, now it looks it maybe really naive, but at the beginning I thought, oh, this isn't going to affect say, you know, college volleyball hardly at all. You know, models sure. are going to be true. May we're going to be died down and do this. But my sense is that my sense is that the decision makers are, you know, are hunkered down. This is, this is for this really to get pulled off and there to be a protocol. Uh, you know, June's sort of got to be, June's got to be the, June's got to be the month where people actually come up with plans that can be implemented. Yeah. So I kind of feel like we're in that stage. We're in a true planning stage now, not, not in a shock stage, not in a, it's about to happen stage, but a let's hammer out the details and try and get this done stage. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. Like the, the when we had to sit, sit tight for two weeks it was like okay two weeks 
then we'll get out of this and stuff will start to get back to normal. And then all of a sudden it was four weeks and six weeks. <laughs> we're yeah. like, what's, what's going on? And cause yeah, I think at, in the beginning it was like, Hey, even for volleyball, like we'll have nationals. Sure. And, you know, by July rolls around and fall sports, like you said, like this isn't, is it, isn't going to be a thing. But as we kind of got going in it, it was like, man, this is going to have a, a pretty huge impact. Um, and I know for me, the, the biggest thing that I saw was the, was the, the, and it's not necessarily elite, but like the jump from, okay, we're going to have the NCAA tournament with no fans to now we're not having the NCAA tournament. Like that right. was a, a huge shift. Um, yeah. just, just from a, a athletic standpoint. Um, but, but even still, even after, you know, that's still March, you know, so even still yeah. at that time, as I'm talking with people, I'm saying, all right, you know, when you look at what we had available in terms of projections of, uh, you know, the virus spreading and things at that point, you know, there, those long-term projections for the middle of summer really didn't have a whole lot of growth. And so I looked at that and I feel like a lot of people looked at that. And I mean, you know, I think a lot of people maybe look back and go, oh yeah, you know, we we should have seen it coming but i don't know i mean i think honestly the people i talk to that are in athletics and stuff that they, they until all of what you're talking about really happened and until we got you know at at the college level to the end of the spring semester and none of these students are here then it just sort of hits oh this this actually might have a serious impact on fall sports yeah uh and, you know i i you know, if you had asked me during my spring break here academically, if we were going to have a, you know, a full gym and a full slate of schedule for, you know, volleyball here at my university, I would have been like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to pull it off, you know, close to normal. Sure. It looks a little naive now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, talking about just like fans and, and home games and, and all that kind of stuff what's your take on the the impact of having no fans potentially in the stands this fall cuz cuz i think that's pretty fairly realistic especially since you know the things i hear are shortened season no preseason conference only doing it all with no fans you know i know there's coaches out there across the country that for sure want fans at games but i think there's a a realistic possibility to there being no fans what's what's kind of your your take on that well I think we've moved more and more, not just with sports, but with the pandemic as a whole to thinking about, you know, possibly the one size fits all model isn't really going to work. I mean, I think the answer to that true, is really true. different. I think that, I think, that, I think my, my thought on that's really different across the sports and across even the size of the university or whether we're talking about professional sports with no fans, but mm. I think what you've gauged on the volleyball, which side of it, you know, the, the college volleyball side of it's probably, you know, if I had to make a prediction, you're, you're probably in the, in the stratosphere there of what's actually going to happen, but there's two sides to it, right? There's, there's the side of it that is looking at it from the staff athlete side. And there's the side of it from the fan side. And I guess as somebody who's involved in volleyball media, I think, about the fan side of it. I think mm. a lot of us want to watch. Like we we want to see sports. 
Okay. Sure. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, yes, when you turn on Saturday afternoon and you watch college football or even somebody who's really passionate about our sport and follows collegiate volleyball, maybe, you know, turns on Longhorn Network or SEC Network or joins in on some of the stuff we do on ESPN. I think there's one side of it where as we get used to that, fans won't matter. I mean, I mean, fans won't care as much because they're watching sports. So one side of it is we get to watch sports again because right now we're not, we're not watching Mm -hmm. pro basketball. We're not watching pro baseball. We're, we, you know, we're not having any of that. And, you know, with the impact that college football always has on colleges, universities, the fall, it's synonymous with fall, uh, you know, and then the other fall sports dovetail. From the fan point of view, is it going to be weird? Yeah, but at least we're going to be able to click on our computer. We're going to be able to turn our t- <laughs> on our TV and see sports. So yeah. that's one side of it. But the sure. other side of it, in terms of the actual competition going on, you know, me thinking about calling a, a college volleyball match in an arena and there not be any fans, is yeah. it odd? Yeah, but athletes are athletes right i mean when we we say all the time in terms of psychology of sport an athlete and a coach really shouldn't be focused on the fans anyway i mean will it be hard will it be hard to notice there's nobody there or a few people there if we social distance in gyms if that's even possible yeah it'll be weird but once you roll the ball out there i mean once 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 the first serve takes place then you know it's athletes, all kind of static. Yeah, at least yeah. athletes and coaches that are well psychologically trained at, at high levels, they lock in. They want to mm-hmm. win. So I, I I think it can be done. I think it'll be awkward. But I think once you pull off two or three matches like it, then I think the the competitive nature of it kicks in. And it becomes about we're not focused on the fact there's nobody in here. We're focused on there's yeah. people with different colored jerseys on the other side of the net. Sure, sure. And, and I think probably everybody from, you know, whether like high school coach, college coach, um, you know, whether if you're a college athlete, for volleyball at least, like a college volleyball player, whether you did something like this in college or high school, like you probably at some point played a match in a mostly empty gym. Yeah. Right. I mean, besides maybe a few parents here and there, and I think I've probably coached in a few of those, like there's just, there's 10 people here and they're all our fans, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I, I definitely think that it's, it's uh, once you get in that moment, right. Like, and they talk about this with the Super Bowl every year, right. You have all the hype of the week leading up to it and all the press and all the whatever. And then as soon as that ball's in the air, like you forget all that stuff because you're just, you're focused on the game. That's what I mean, though, about it being different across the sports, because, sure. you you know, what we're talking about. I mean, yes, there are nationally ranked teams, collegiate volleyball that pack their arenas. They have thousands of fans. They have waiting lists for tickets, all that. Yes, that exists in our sport at the college level. Mm-hmm. But even at, you know, even outside the power five in football, you know, that's a heavily attended sport and sure. it's, a, it's a sport. I mean, so when you're talking about, you know, stadiums that can hold 30, 50, 70,000 fans or more versus, you know, a college volleyball arena that's meant to be intimate and hold 600 people, that's just not the same. And, and so, sure. you know, you, 
you know, in our sport, I think you can walk in those arenas and you're right. Sometimes at, you know, in, in mid majors, you know, like in our conference here in the Southland, there are still a few, there's still a few college volleyball programs that play in their basketball arena that holds 7,000, 9,000, 10,000 fans. Will you go in there and there's a few hundred? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that's that. I don't know that that's that different now. You know, in our gym here at Stephen F. Austin, the whole 600, I mean, that, I mean, that <laughs> you place notice. is rocking. You know, we, packed, we, yeah. pack, we pack that place out. So it's like, are we going to notice a difference? Yeah, when, when, when the season starts? Sure we are, because we're used to that being, you know, we have a reputation of being a really loud, raucous gym that's real tight mm-hmm. and intimate. So it'll be different. But again, you roll the ball out there. You can, uh, you, players you, play. You... When I would go and uh, get water down at the end of the bench, like I'd smell people's feet, like that's because they're because they're dangling in my face, you know. <laughs> so it's it's a tight it's a tight knit. It was always it a it was always a fun a, place to play. It is well, unique. It is a unique place for college volleyball. It's a fan. It's I mean, so yeah, we'll we'll feel sad about the atmospheric difference, but sure, I mean, sure. wins are wins, man. Roll it out there. Let's play. At, you know, players play. Yeah. What um I was thinking about this the other day, like I feel like volleyball in in this situation, volleyball has a really good opportunity to I don't want to say showcase itself, but like show the the general public that this is a sport that you can actually watch on TV and understand. And I think that's one of the hard parts with volleyball. And the comment every year at convention is always we've got to get away from the the above the center net kind of camera angle and go to the behind the, behind the bench or behind the inline kind of thing. Um, I, I, what's your take on volleyball media wise? And, and do you at least sort of agree with me that like volleyball has an opportunity this fall to really show that, Hey, this is, this is, can be a TV sport. Oh, for sure. I mean, I've already thought about that, you know, as, as I, I as I've begun to think, you know, schedules are being announced. I, I discussed with our head coach here just through some just pithy emails yesterday, our, our, our scheduling. And yeah, so when, so if, if we, if we get in a situation where we don't have, I mean, your two questions we talked about are correlated, right? If you don't have zero fans, then you're like, Oh, I have, okay, my way to connect with sports now is purely through watching. I can't attend. Yeah. And so does that have the possibility of drawing, say, the casual fan as they're flipping through or scrolling through on listings online of sports that are available to stream and they see volleyball? Well, okay, I I might not be the person who would you know, jump in my car, truck, and drive down to the local university and watch the local university team play volleyball. But you know what? Given that my entire sports experience right now in August and September is through a screen, let me check this out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as the camera angle and all of that, yeah, we have to get better on that. I mean, that, that of course, comes back to, you know, just – pure fire financing and availability of people to do those sort of things. Sure. You know, in our gym, you know, the, the seats are up above the court sunken. So we, you know, we tend to put multiple camera angles up high and, and get sort of that center court look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, you know, we've talked about having actual, you know, handheld floor cameras that can move around. You know, you see some of the bigger conferences, they do that. 
Yeah. But still, to be honest with you, Jason, here's the thing. We need more people that can truly that, that can truly make volleyball the primary broadcast delivery sport they do. Um, you know, we need we need people that, uh, you know, are, are invested in our game primarily being the ones that are involved in making decisions about how that game's broadcast. You know, it, we add, I mean, it added a tremendous – when we brought in two seasons ago, when we brought in a former uh, Southland Conference Player of the Year who's an alum here, Brittany Castledon, to be the analyst on all of our TV broadcasts, that jumped our credibility up a lot. Now, that's not just a self-deprecating comment about, you know, a self-taught guy like myself doing play-by-play. But when you have a team <laughs> – when you have two broadcasters, when you when it when people turn in and they're like, oh, the the camera looks like and the and the announcing looks like what I would expect in a sport that tends to draw more fans, then that adds credibility to it. Yeah. No, you know, for sure. And, and and we have had our moments. I mean, just to be frankly honest, we have had our moments where we've struggled with clear steam stream delivery or we've cl- struggled with uh you know camera changing and stuff and that's primarily a staffing i mean we got good people that do this here but you know we we've still it's still true that you can go through the espn list and scroll through and watch college volleyball and get a feel that the production's not slick enough. The graphics aren't slick enough. The 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 uh, the people who are doing the actual delivery, the terminology's not clean enough. And it gives yeah. you this it gives you this sort of coarse feel that, okay, do do we are we really invested? So if we can really invest with both people and the technology, then can the sport itself then take over and draw people in during a pandemic? Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, we, you you say this all the time, right? Just get yourself watching this sport. It's very addictive. I mean, it's a great sure. sport. It's a great sport for people to get into. We just have to continually improve in terms of the way we actually deliver it to people. I um, well, let me ask you this question. And we're in in kind of uncharted territory right now. I think that's fine. Do you think sometimes the game is too fast? Um, like for the people that don't know it and that's, and that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like the, the people that are commentating don't necessarily know maybe what to commentate on or what to talk about in during the wall of plays live. Like, do do you think it, it, in a lot of ways almost happens too fast? Like we try maybe to describe too much. Um, like what, what do you think is the, is the, the, the difficult part in, in broadcasting, you know, visually or or vocally, a, a volleyball match that that makes it hard to translate to. Yeah, this is definitely something I wanna I wanna watch. Well, it was a blessing and a curse that my first year that I did volleyball for TV that I had started radio the year before, because mm-hmm. when you're calling a volleyball match on radio, then obviously your play by play and analysis. And the game is so fast. The thing about so that fast. is nobody is seeing it 
So everybody is depending upon you basically creating an experience for them. And I think because yeah. volleyball is fast, it has the opportunity through radio to really be emotional. But I know personally, I made a lot of mistakes when I shifted over to doing radio on the road and television at home in that I wasn't probably giving my viewership enough credit for that speed. So, yeah. bring, so bringing in an analyst really helped. You know, Brittany and I talked a lot about what this does for the play-by-play person. It just allows me to lay back a little bit. Mm. It, it, I mean, when you've got two people there, those first couple of years when I was doing television by myself, I wasn't making the transition between radio and TV as clean. And so, yes, I feel like probably what was happening was there was a lot of over-explaining. Sure. But, sure. but one thing that you see a lot among people that do my job is, Hey, you can't talk down to your audience. I mean, we still, I mean, you would ne- you would never hear in a collegiate football broadcast. You would <laughs> never hear, oh, the guy's line kicker lines up for a 47-yard field goal, and if he makes it, it's worth three points. I mean, yeah. you still hear in college volleyball <laughs> broadcasts, we're going to the fifth set, and this set's played to 15. They have I mean, to they have to explain it to everyone. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we we can't do that. If we want, if we want. If we want to bring in, if we want to bring in people who are, are, if we want to grow the game, then we can't talk down to our audience. And and we've got to be able. I think when people watch sports, they they like the right dose of technicality mixed in sure. with the with the with the analysis. And that's and that's what we've been striving for. Let let the analysts do the do the analyzing. You know, my strength is in knowing the personnel around the conference and around the region that I broadcast in. And people like to hear stories about athletes and coaches. They like to feel connected to the athletes. That's what good play-by-play can do in between the analysis to keep it from being stale. But Mm. we can't treat college volleyball watchers as though... Like they're dumb. Like they're dumb. Yeah, because I mean, yes, there will be people that tune in that don't understand basic rules, but the game's good enough. We got to trust the game's good enough to get people interested to research those things and ask those questions on their own. We don't need to be we need to do more about the subtleties of this sport, the strategies of this sport. We need to be we need to be treating our audience as a mature audience, an audience that's not talked down to. I think they'll appreciate that. And I still hear, even sometimes on, you know, bigger conference or, you know, national broadcast stuff, I still hear things that I think, okay, um, that's just a little, you're, you're, you're already, I mean, you see it even, you see it even in NCA broadcasts, you see graphics go up that explain how sets and volleyball work. And yeah. so, I mean, Three three hits each side, right? Yeah, like I mean, so, something I mean, that you you understand as a five or six year old the first time playing picnic volleyball at your uncle's house. You know, like you you learn that, right? Well, um, and how many times have you heard the libero explained? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I've heard it explained for the last uh, twenty years since yeah. I started playing college. Because my my first year of college playing the men's game, that was the first we had just gone back down from 30 to 25 they had let the you know the net serve or the let serve was the first time that was allowed and then 
was the first time we used the libero. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been 20 years and you're right. We're still explaining it to people like they, like they don't know. So let's, I, I let's trust that the person who doesn't know what a libero is in volleyball will turn to the person that they're watching the match with exactly or the person that's in the stands and go, Hey, who's the girl in the off color Jersey. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I don't really understand basketball, okay, if I really don't, if I've never seen much basketball and someone makes a free throw and all of a sudden the team gets one point instead of two, then I'm going to turn to the next person and go, wait, why did that count as one point rather than two? I don't really that- feel like I don't really feel like it's the broadcast team to continually be hammering that down people's throat. I feel no, like newbies. A- Newbies want to be attracted to the speed, the power, the beauty, the grace of the sport. They want to see the athleticism and their own intelligence will allow them to ask questions of people around them. The broadcasters, frankly, don't need to fill in. At least they don't need to hammer. They don't need to, you know, be reminding you all during a a, a 15 point fifth match. We're going to playing to 15. I mean, Sure. Let 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 people's let people build their own question asking amidst the people around them. If you're play by play, describe the play, describe yeah. the action, tell good stories that engage people. If you're an analyst, analyze. If you're a former player as an analyst, use that background as a former player to see things that in a mature way describe strategy and describe subtlety that adds truly what we call color i mean we call it color for a reason you know the black (laughs) and white should already be there if your job is a color analyst then provide color you don't need the gray you don't need the black and the white yeah that makes sense hey why why aren't there more of you And, and 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 specifically in the southland conference like I know, you know, you know, Grant Boone has obviously been doing what he does for a really yeah, long time. Incredible. He's great. Um, he's great. And, and he does a, a actually a bunch of different, I mean, he does golf now. And I think uh, I'm assuming he still does football for them uh, and everything else. But like, why, why aren't there more you and Grant and, stuff, and specifically in the Southland conference, like as we're trying to build, you know, the, the, the sport of volleyball, I feel like having someone that's, doing a radio broadcast that is consistent with the TV broadcast that ha- has a voice um, is known in the public. You know, you have like, you have your blog and stuff like that. Like why, why aren't there more people doing that for the sport of volleyball? What's what's. Uh, that's tough to say. I think someone has to do, I think so many times people don't want to launch out and do something different because they want to go from it being hobby to uh, to revenue for them. Yeah, too sure. fast. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, mo- most of the people that listen to me do radio or that read the blog or that know me around the conference, they don't even know. They don't even know. They don't, they don't even know what I do for a living. They don't even know that I'm really, it's, there's, they really don't even know that there's basically no money in it. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm serious. They don't really yeah, know no. that it's my hobby. I get asked every season, 
by SIDs opposing fans. I get asked all, all the time where I got my communications degree or yeah. where I studied media broadcasting. And they freak out whenever they learn, guy. That, oh, this guy's a statistics professor. And they're like, what? You know, so, I mean, it, I, I think it's, I mean, maybe this is too much of a sort of, I don't know, uh, soft answer to your question. That's okay. But, but we, it's a hobby. I mean, sure. it's, it's about enjoyment. I mean, that, see, that's the number one thing that a person who would want to do something similar to what Grant does, to what I'm trying to do here, has got to understand. You have to convey to people the genuine nature of your love for the game, mm-hmm. okay? You can't go out there and write kind of freelance broadcast, a sport like this, and it be your third or fourth interest, and it pull off as authentic, Sure. I mean, you know, the, and I think that's where my academic background really helped me when I got started. Um, I was used to talking to people for a living through teaching classes and having an academic life. I'm used to studying. So when I started this, that was where I knew that I could improve myself. I could study. I could watch. I could talk to people. I could You know, as a scientist, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I get criticized a lot. Okay, so you have to put yourself out there. You have to be you have to be criticized. You have to be criticized by the people that are closest to you. You have to be a good listener. You have you have to sit there and take it from coaches, from players, from parents. You have to sit and be a part of a ton of conversations and you have to be extremely prepared and, yeah. and I mean, that's really the only reason why I feel like I have been blessed enough to have the opportunities I have in the Southland is because through time and through mistakes, actually, I, I've I, I've been able to convince the the league office, the coaches, the athletes that this isn't third and fourth rate for me. This is sure. something that this is something I'm invested in. I mean. One of the one of the things I enjoy the most is being at tournaments and just sitting around in the stands with my coaches and our players and just picking their brains while we're watching and they're scouting other matches. And what that does mm-hmm. is that that communicates to them that, hey, he didn't just flip a switch and turn this on and off. He really loves this like he really yeah. wants to learn. So I think that's it. It's that a lot of people they they see it as oh it would be cool to like write a blog. It would be cool to like do radio. But without the investment, without the studying, without without the lay in the groundwork to meet people, to be honest about stuff, to 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 try and really you know learn to 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 truly immerse yourself and get better at something then you're not, then those opportunities are going to wind up being a little frail once, once they come your way. Sure. If you found this podcast interesting, helpful, or beneficial, or maybe you're just a big fan of myself, then please think about donating to the PRI Talk podcast and help keep the podcast alive. I would love to continue bringing you recruiting advice as well as information on current volleyball events and your support can definitely make that happen. Thank you.
everybody. Thanks for listening to the PRI Talk podcast. If you would like more tips, updates, and recruiting assistance, go to PRIvolleyball.com. Check out my blog or go to Parallel Recruiting Initiative on Facebook and Instagram. If you need recruiting help, I have a couple different ways I can help you out. Please reach out over social media or at my website, PRIvolleyball.com. And thanks for listening.